What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. I'm your host, JT, man. The final week of the regular season is in the books. And if you're a fan, you're either feeling one or two things. Either you're really excited because your favorite team is about to be in the playoffs. I'm not I'm happy as hell as a Steelers fan. Hey, when Jacksonville lost to Tennessee and Trevor Lawrence overthrew Evan Ingram, y'all don't know how happy I was, bro. And let's be honest, the Steelers probably aren't finna do anything in the playoffs. We may win a playoff game at best. Maybe we beat Buffalo, probably not, but I'm just excited that I get to see my favorite team play one more time. But if you're the other option, and your favorite team isn't in the playoffs, then this was the last week you got to watch your favorite team play until the next seven, eight months comes around. But welcome to another episode, man. We got a lot of things to talk about tonight. Got to give you guys my reaction to Bills, Dolphins, Bears, Packers. Arthur Smith cussed out Dennis Allen. You know, listen, bro, if you got a problem with a team scoring on you before the final whistle blows, tell your team to do something about it. The Jaguars, they had one of the biggest implosions that I've seen in recent memory. They went from 8-3 and to out of the damn playoffs. And how about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Houston Texans shocking the whole entire world? I don't think anybody thought that the Buccaneers and the Houston damn Texans will be in the damn playoffs winning their divisions. Like, we got a lot of great things to talk about in tonight's episode. Before we get into it, leave a like, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Remember that every episode of the podcast that's uploaded on the channel is available in audio format on all podcasting platforms. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcast from, you can find the JT Sports Podcast. Leave us with a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. Share the pod with your friends, family members, and acquaintances if you enjoy. And before we get into it, man, shout out to everybody in the chat. Shout out to Thomas Scott. He says, shout out to the Bills getting that first round by. The Bills don't have a first round by, man. There's only one team that gets the first round by. Y'all about to y'all, y'all about to play Mason Rudolph in the first round. That's who y'all about to play still is again blown man okay sleep on mason rudolph if you want to sleep on mason rudolph if you want to we got something for you josh allen better not have three turnovers against the steelers boy because that boy mason rudolph he cooking and he ain't cooking with no grease that boy cooking with oil right now y'all better watch out man let me take a couple sips of this water so we can get into the into tonight's show boy because I got a lot of things that I've been waiting to talk about tonight, bro. So let's get into this first game, man. The Buffalo Bills beat the Dolphins. They win their fourth straight AFC East title. And one thing that is guaranteed in life is that anytime the game is on the line and Tua has the ball in his hands, best believe he's going to throw it away every single time, bro. As soon as the Dolphins got the ball back for that last possession, I knew Tua was finna sell, bro. This offense, anytime they go up against a great defense, they never do anything. Like, they beat the Dallas Cowboys, but they only scored 22 points. And y'all remember... Early this season, when they put 70 points on the Denver Broncos, guess what they did next week? They got their ass kicked by the Buffalo Bills, 48-20. to This offense just seems to be ineffective anytime they go up against a defense that is remotely good. 
And the Buffalo Bills in the second half defensively, they put the clamps down on the Dolphins offense. All you saw was three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. The only time they didn't have to punt the ball away was on their final possession, bruh. Like the Dolphins are so overrated, so overrated. Are they talented? Yes, they are. But Josh Allen tonight, imagine if he could play an entire game with no turnovers. If the Bills go into the postseason and you get turnover-free Josh Allen, there's no reason why you shouldn't be seeing the Baltimore Ravens and the AFC Championship, bro. This dude, I've never seen a quarterback so damn bipolar. He throws an interception in the red zone. He throws another interception on another drive, which leads to the Dolphins getting the first touchdown of the game. And then the second half, he gets the ball ripped from out of him by Christian Wilkins, who was going crazy tonight. And it doesn't matter, bro, because he was still making plays, still driving the Buffalo Bills downfield. And this game is the perfect reason why Josh Allen is one of the best in the game right now. But it also is another reason why the Buffalo Bills are probably not going to make it to the Super Bowl. You see, if you want to be a Super Bowl team, you can't have your quarterback having this insane amount of turnovers and think that his defense is going to be able to bail him out every single game. Once you get into the playoffs, the teams that go the furthest are the teams that take care of the football. Hence why Tom Brady has won more Super Bowls than any other player. Hence why Joe Burrow has reached the AFC Championship several times. Even Patrick Mahomes, if you want to win in the postseason, ball security is key. And I don't know just how far the Bills are going to go with this nuclear bomb at quarterback. Like, I love watching Josh Allen play, bro. This dude is a fun-ass quarterback to watch. It was 3rd and 13 on the Bills' final drive. I'm thinking the Dolphins are about to get a stop. They're about to get off the field. But you know what this fool does? He says, nah, I'm going to get it done myself. Picks up the third and 13, bro. Josh Allen is not human. Three interceptions doesn't matter. Bills still get the win. And you got to give hats off to this defense, bro. Like, I get it. The Dolphins offense is overrated. I don't know how many times I have to reiterate this. You don't do anything against great teams. You got to play Kansas City again. Can you even get the 20 against Kansas City, bro? We'll see. Because both of those two teams are in similar situations, in my opinion. But for the Bills defense to be able to bail out their quarterback on three straight times, three consecutive possessions when he has turnovers, is impressive. The only time they gave up a point was when um, they allowed the Dolphins to get a touchdown after one of his interceptions. But outside of that, this defense played fantastic. The Dolphins' offense just doesn't function properly when they see an elite defense. I don't know what it is, bro. I don't know if the play calling just changes. I don't know what it is anytime the Dolphins go up against an elite defense, bro. They just have no answers. And for the life of me, why does Mike McDaniel continue to abandon the run game in the second half of games. It makes no sense to me. Every time I see the Dolphins in a big game, they'll have success in the first half running the football. And then in the second half, they just say, fuck it. We just finna throw it. It makes no sense. Your offense was at its best when you were running the football with Jeff Wilson and Devon A-Chain. We barely saw those dudes get any touches in the second half, bruh. If the Dolphins are going to look to make a deep playoff run, we need to see them putting the ball in the hands of the running backs a lot more. Tua Tagovailoa 
isn't good against great teams. And once you get into the postseason, all you're playing is nothing but great teams. How far can you possibly go with two at quarterback? Like, you Dolphins fans get really defensive uh, to a talk of a lawyer. Anytime somebody criticizes him, you make all these excuses. But now it's time to really be real about what you have at quarterback. Tua is a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. He's not a good enough quarterback that can lead you to a Super Bowl. You want to know the prime reason why? Because he doesn't step up in big moments. Look at the quarterback who you have to go up against on the other sideline. He threw three interceptions. Well, not three interceptions, but yeah, three turnovers. And it didn't matter. They still won the game. The Buffalo Bills, man, this team, they were down and out at one point this season. You know, they had an ugly loss Monday night to the Denver Broncos. They had five, turn five total turnovers in that game. But once they made that change at offensive coordinator, this offense starts to look a lot better. But the same issues that they've had under the previous offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, still hasn't really been solved with their new offensive coordinator. Okay? And if Buffalo is going to be a threat in the postseason, they got to get Josh Allen playing at a high level without turning the football over. Because his style of play doesn't translate to Super Bowls. You got to be able to take care of the pigskin. That's the name of the game. Possessions are at a premium once you get into the playoffs. You're not going to have the luxury of being able to have three turnovers and still win a playoff game when you're going up against great teams with competent offenses. The Dolphins' offense is obviously broke. Hell, I was shocked that they even beat the Cowboys, but the Cowboys and the Dolphins are pretty much the same team, just in different conferences. So the Buffalo Bills, they get their fourth straight win in the AFC East. You know, they won this division for several straight years in a row now. It is no surprise because when you have a quarterback like Josh Allen that can turn the ball, the ball over three times and still lead you to a win against your divisional rival, that just is a testament to how good of a QB you truly have. The Dolphins don't have that. They don't have a elite quarterback over there. They got a good quarterback, but not great. Like the Buffalo Bills, man, I'm not surprised that they won this game. I picked them to win. And I was a little bit, you know, second guessing myself before this game started. I was like, you know, maybe the Dolphins may be able to find a way to win this game. But once I saw that, Raheem Monster and Jalen Waddle out, it was a guarantee that the Bills were going to win this game. The, the Dolphins just don't know how to beat good teams. It's ironic how their best win of the season came against who? The Dallas Cowboys. Who else struggles against good teams? The Dallas Cowboys. They've only beaten one of them. So it's no surprise that the Bills continue to have their way against the Miami Dolphins, bro. This team is not going to go anywhere in the playoffs. The furthest the Dolphins could go is possibly the divisional round. That's it, bro. This offense just doesn't know how to play well anytime they go up against an elite defense. You're playing Kansas City this week. They got one of the top five defenses in the National Football League, bro. There's no way you're going to win that game, especially going on the road to Arrowhead. You got to be a pretty good quarterback to win on the road in the postseason at Kansas City. Tua Tagovailoa is not that good. And if I'm the Dolphins' front office... You know, and you got to have that tough conversation about Tua getting an extension. 
How much are you going to pay this dude? Because I'm not going to make him one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL. Josh Allen deserves to be the highest paid QB in the league or one of the highest paid. You want to know why? Because he can elevate your team. He steps up in the big moments. He can overcome three turnovers. Tua can't do that. So he doesn't deserve to have the same pay grade as guys like Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, and Joe Burrow. Like if Tua Tagovailoa gets anything close to what the elite quarterbacks are making like Lamar and Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes, if I'm one of those QBs, I'm asking for a pay rate because it's disrespectful to even have Tua mentioned in the same breath as some of the greats in this game or some of the best in this sport right now. Like Tua Tagovailoa, he's a good quarterback, but he's not a great quarterback. And with how he looks in big games, always looking small, always looking scared of the moment, how can you possibly trust this dude to lead you to a playoff win or even the Super Bowl? If I'm the Dolphins, I'm looking at some of the day two, day three quarterbacks in the draft, and I'm trying to figure out which one of them has the best upside or the highest potential of possibly becoming a starting quarterback in this league. Because to attack Valor, bro, like there's only a certain threshold you can reach with him at QB. And the Dolphins are lucky that they didn't have an insanely tough schedule this year. If they had one of the toughest schedules in the NFL, they possibly only win nine, maybe ten games. This this team just falls apart anytime they have to face a great team. Now, their defense showed up. You know, hats off to the defense, even without their best pass rushers. No Bradley Chubb, no Jalen Phillips. You didn't have Xavier Howard in this game. Your defense still played well. But it wasn't enough. They get three turnovers, and the offense only does something with them one out of three times. Like, it's insanity that the Dolphins were going three and out every time they got the ball in the second half with how explosive this offense has looked for the majority of this season. But once again, this is another moment when the Dolphins have a chance to win it late and Tua Tagovailoa throws the game away or he comes up empty. Hell, Tyreek Hill had, like, what, two drops in this game? And people were saying that he should win MVP? The Buffalo Bills, not only did they win this division for a fourth straight year in a row, but they showed us what we all knew about the Miami Dolphins all along coming into this season. And I've yet to see a Dolphins fan that was coming at me before the season started when I said that Tua was a little bit overrated. I haven't seen those boys show their faces all year long because I've been right about this team. But nobody wants to admit that. Nobody wants to admit that Tua just isn't that good of a QB. He's not a good enough QB to get you over the hump in the postseason, bruh. I see why the Miami Dolphins brass was entertaining a trade for Deshaun Watson. Josh Allen needs an MVP, not because of this year, but the last four years, man. Like, you can't give Josh Allen MVP because that has to go to a marvelous, but we all give Josh Allen his roses. We all respect what Josh Allen is as a quarterback. You, you have three turnovers, and yet you can just overcome them and still give your team the W. That's a testament to how great of a QB you are. But imagine just... How unstoppable Buffalo could be if they got mistake-free football out of Josh Allen. All I want to see out of Josh Allen for the next month of the playoffs is maybe only one or two turnovers combined. If he can do that, 
Buffalo could possibly find themselves playing in the Super Bowl. The Green Bay Packers have part-time ownership of the Chicago Bears, bro, because Chicago just doesn't know how the hell to beat the Cheeseheads. Jordan Love, is, this is the one. All right, Green Bay, for some reason, when it comes to finding franchise quarterbacks, they just got all of the cheat codes. And last week, I came on here and told you guys that Jordan Love has my step of approval of being the next franchise QB of the Packers. And people are saying, man, Jordan Love's overrated. He's mid. You want to know something ridiculous? I had a fool on Instagram tell me that, man... Ah, Jordan Love, he got to show me, man, if he's able to have a good game against the Bears, then he'll have my vote of confidence. And what really shocked me all week leading up to this game was the majority of people who were betting on this game, guess who they put their money on? The Chicago Bears. Oh, well, that defense has been playing outstanding, and, and Justin Fields has to go up against Joe Barry. Like, it's going to get ugly for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, how did that play out? You see, Jordan Love in this game clearly was the better quarterback than Justin Fields. And Justin Fields had a pretty good game. When you look at Jordan Love, though, his ability to throw off platform, how cool, calm, and collected he's starting to look now. Like, he, he's making it look too easy out there, bro. Like, he looked completely flawless in this game. Outside of that fumble that he had, he was, he was magnificent. And the Green Bay Packers, they didn't have a single punt in this game. The only time they didn't score is when they missed that field goal or they had the turnover. That was it. You see, Chicago was one of those teams that, you know, too many people... We're giving them the benefit of a doubt because of how well they've looked the second half of the season. They definitely have played some really good football, but when have they actually beaten a good team when it's mad, when it's mattered? I mean, yeah, you can play good against the Detroit Lions, but what about the Cleveland Browns? You see, I love Justin Fields, but this game should definitely be his last one in the Chicago Bears uniform. All right. This dude makes a lot of highlight reel plays, a lot of high reel, a lot of highlight reel throws. And when Colin Coward called him a U2 quarterback, I was really upset about that statement. And I came out and I pushed back against it. But you know, he's right. You see, when you look at the statistics and you look at the highlights on YouTube, Justin Fields looked like a great quarterback. But in the full quarter of games, when he needs to step up and make big throws and put Chicago in a position to win when it matters, he never gets it done. Do you know who's one of the worst four-quarter quarterbacks statistically in the National Football League? It's Justin Fields. In this game, when the Chicago Bears had an opportunity on their final drive to go downfield and maybe get a two-point conversion plus a TD to tie it up and send the overtime, guess what they did? Nothing. I love Justin Fields. I want to see him go to another team for offensive-minded coaching, some good weapons around him. But at the same time, I hear so many excuses made for Justin Fields and how they need Marvin Harrison Jr. And they need this. They need that. They need this. They need that. Eventually, when are we going to look at Justin Fields and say he's part of the problem? Because he is. This dude never plays well in the fourth quarter of games that matter. This is a rivalry game, man. Like, the Packers have been in Chicago, what, 10 straight times in a row? 
They own this team. They own the city. If I'm Matt Eberflus and I get Brock back for a third season, I'm not running it back with Justin Fields. I need a volume passer. I need somebody who can throw the football at a high level. Look at what Jordan Love was doing. He threw one touchdown that it didn't count, but it was to Bo Melton. Shit, I thought it was a touchdown to me. I would have given him the touchdown anyway just based on how well of a throw it was by Jordan Love. He, he threw that thing in between two defenders. Perfect timing. Small window throw. I can't see Justin Fields making those kinds of throws that Jordan Love was making in this game. Justin Fields is supposed to be your franchise quarterback, Chicago fans. You want this dude to come back and play for you next year, but he's yet to beat your biggest rival. How is that? How is it that Justin Fields is supposed to be this franchise QB? He's not the problem in Chicago. He just needs more weapons. But yet, in the four quarter of games, he isn't a good thrower of the ball. It gets exposed every single time. Marvin Harrison Jr. can only fix so many issues. Like, what is Marvin Harrison Jr. going to do to help you beat Green Bay? When the problem is that you have a quarterback that just isn't a good thrower of the football. Like, look what happened in this game when the Green Bay Packers, Joe Barry, who's probably the worst defensive coordinator in the league right now, was able to shut down his rushing ability, completely neutralize Justin Fields' ability to make plays with his legs, and made him a drop-back passer. It got ugly. He got sacked five times. Wasn't all his fault. You know, Green Bay secondary, they were playing sticky coverage out there. Nobody was really getting open. Like, the only... Two weapons that Justin Fields had in this game that somewhat made plays other than DJ Moore was Cole Komet. And the other receiver he got, Equinamian St. Brown, he made a pretty impressive catch at one point of this game. But there was a throw that Justin Fields made when they got inside the red zone and they ultimately ended up kicking the field goal where Cole Komet, if he would have, you know, maybe threw the ball at a different angle, it could have been a touchdown. They had empty red zone possessions. This game went the same way or similar way that that Cleveland Browns game went. You take away Justin Fields' rushing ability. You make him a drop back passer. And what happens? He melts like a Kit Kat chocolate bar on a hot Sunday night. The Chicago Bears got to move on from Justin Fields. This was the game that told you everything you need to know about him. It's time to move on. Is he a bad quarterback? No, he's not. I'll take Justin Fields over 15 other quarterbacks right now. But you're not going anywhere with Justin Fields. His limitations get exposed every single time you go up against a great defense. I've yet to see Justin Fields have a fantastic performance against a team that had a top 10 defense. Hell, you couldn't even have a great performance against Green Bay. You got shut out by Joe Barry, fam. Joe Barry. Packers fans want this dude gone. And despite how bad of a defensive coordinator he is, he just always seems to have the formula for Justin Fields. Why is that? I ask you this. Imagine if you had Caleb Williams or Michael Penix in this game, somebody who can actually throw the football downfield. This dude is averaging less than seven yards per pass, man, on the season. That's bad. And he wasn't even that bad in this game. He looked pretty good. But in the fourth quarter... When palms got sweaty and chest got tight, where was Justin Fields?
So for all you people that keep saying Chicago needs to run it back, they need to build around Justin Fields. I would tell you to go watch that Browns game in the fourth quarter and go watch this game against the Green Bay Packers, both of them. And you tell me if you see a quarterback who deserves to be brought back for another year. He balled out against the Atlanta Falcons. Cool. The Falcons got their ass kicked by the New Orleans Saints. Arthur Smith is about to get fired. When is Justin Fields going to have a good game against a team for great defense? He needs to change the scenery. He needs an offensive-minded coach. He got outplayed by Jordan Love. You see, the Packers won this game because they had the better quarterback who could make the big-time throws in big moments. There was a third and eight. Jordan Love got outside the pocket and makes a great throw to his tight end to keep the drive alive. Like, Justin Fields, you ask him to make a big throw with the game on the line, and he never is able to get it done. Now, he had a big throw late to Cole Command when he outside the pocket and he threw it on the run in between two defenders, and it was an even better catch by Cole Command. But he may make a couple of wild throws here and there, but he doesn't make a lot of great big-time throws consistently. Like, Justin Fields is not that that's the franchise quarterback for the Chicago Bears. I get it. He's a likable guy. He's a solid QB. Like, he's like a top 15, top 17 quarterback. But he's not what Chicago needs at quarterback. You need somebody who can throw the football in the fourth quarter. Justin Fields can't do that. You take away this dude's legs, what is he? Lamar Jackson can beat you throwing the football and running the football. Pick your poison. Justin Fields isn't Lamar Jackson. He's not the kind of passer that LJ is. Everybody thinks that Justin Fields can become this Lamar Jackson clone. And he possibly can if he goes to a head coach that's offensive-minded. But with Matt Eberflus being a defensive-minded guy, he doesn't know how the hell to maximize Justin Fields' strengths. He doesn't know what to do with that. Look at his offensive coordinator. His offensive coordinator, Lou Gassi, has to go. You can bring in a new OC all you want to. But it's really hard to call plays when you have a quarterback this limited. He's a great athlete, dynamic runner. Nobody's denying that. And sometimes he can make a couple of big throws here and there throughout the game. But in the full quarter, game on the line, Justin Fields, I need you to deliver a two-minute drive down the field to lead us to overtime just purely throwing it. Can you get it done? No, he can't. So Justin Fields, once again, isn't able to lead Chicago to a win against the Green Bay Packers. You can say, oh, JT, you can't put this all on Justin Fields. Okay, cool. You can blame Matt Eberflus. But how much blame can I put on Matt Eberflus when his defense showed up in this game? His defense made the necessary stops. His defense kept giving the ball back to the offense. But the offense was never able to do anything more than get field goals with it. So the Green Bay Packers with this win... They're going to the playoffs. Jordan Love continues to look like the next big thing at QB for Green Bay moving forward. Now, we got to react to some breaking news. I don't know if you guys are trolling me right now, but a lot of you guys in the comment section keep on saying that Arthur Smith just got fired. So I'm about to Google this thing, and y'all better not be trolling me. Now, we know Arthur Smith is going to get fired. But we don't know if he just, oh, they, oh, they did fire Arthur Smith. Hold up, they did fire Arthur Smith. Oh, wow. Okay, they did fire Arthur Smith. So I guess it's the perfect time to talk about this, man. Where, where is it? Where is it? Oh, man, this is crazy. 
So Arthur Smith cussed out Dennis Allen after the New Orleans Saints killed them in a blowout game. And he got mad because New Orleans wanted to give Jamar Williams one more touchdown before the game ended. The final game of the regular season, they wanted to see their teammate score one more time. And he got upset with it. And then he goes to talk to Dennis Allen after the game, cussed him out, said, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. Here's the thing, Arthur Smith. If you don't like it, guess what? Don't allow it to happen. You see, after I saw that, I knew Arthur Smith was going to get fired. I already saw the riding off the wall. This dude is a loser. Straight up. Who cares about sportsmanship? Miss me with that whole sportsmanship thing. The game isn't over until the final whistle blows. Therefore, the team still has the right to score a touchdown until the game ends. You can't get mad at a team for continuing to score when you still got time left on the clock. They're just doing what any other team should do. Play until the final whistle blows. Playing through the whistle. Not letting up their, on their opponents. So when Arthur Smith cussed out Dennis Allen after the game, I already knew he was about to get fired. You see... He cussed out Dennis Allen because he knew what was about to happen. He knew that his job was pretty much over. He knew he was about to get that Vince McMahon special. Y'all ready? You're fired! Like, I can't believe this dude really had the audacity to cuss out Dennis Allen all because he wanted to get another touchdown. And it wasn't even his fault. Like the players said that they were the ones who decided to give Jamal Williams that touchdown. They didn't listen to what Dennis Allen said. Like Jameis Winston after the game said that what difference does them scoring one more touchdown do to the game? Like you're still a blowout. You still got your ass kicked. So rather if you scored the touchdown or not, it still was an embarrassing loss. And it's no surprise that Arthur Smith is getting fired because anytime you have a dude who uses his three first round picks as decoys, you know this dude doesn't know what the hell he's doing as an offensive minded coach. You see, Arthur Smith is the NFL's modern day equivalent to Jeff Fisher, but a lot worse. Instead of being able to go eight and eight, the best this dude can do is go seven and ten. And there were a lot of Falcons fans that were really optimistic about how good this team could be coming into this season. And they were let down because they had a head coach who didn't want to give his best players the ball, who wanted to, instead of going after Lamar Jackson, say, no, nah, we're good off Lamar Jackson because we got Desmond Ritter. Look where that got you. Absolutely nowhere. You could even win the weakest division in the NFL. You let Baker Mayfield. And Todd Bowles win this division for the second straight year in a row. If I'm Jim Harbaugh or I'm the offensive coordinator of the Detroit Lions, Ben Johnson, you know, I'm looking at this Falcons job and I'm saying, man, I'm going to the Raiders or the Bears. Like I'm trying to get down to the A. If the right head coach goes to Atlanta, they could automatically in one offseason become a contender in the NFC. You got Drake London, Kyle Pitts, B. John Robinson. Your defense is pretty good. You should bring back your defensive coordinator. Whoever is the new head coach, their, their owner or the owner of the Falcons, he should force them to keep the defensive coordinator that they had this season because he did a really good job. Like the defense wasn't bad. It was bad 
late in the season because the offense just stopped. And you have to come and bail out Jasmine Ritter for all of his millions of idiotic turnovers. Arthur Smith, what I'm going to remember him for in this stint with the Atlanta Falcons is using his best players as decoys. Like, how the hell are you an offensive-minded coach and you just want to use your three first-round picks as decoys? You don't want to try to find creative ways to get them the ball. Doesn't that defeat the purpose of drafting them in the first round? Like, you got people who think Kyle Pitts is a bust because Arthur Smith doesn't know how to get him the ball. It's not that hard to give Kyle Pitts touches. You can literally put this dude anywhere on the field. He can play wide receiver. You can put him in the slot. You can keep him as a tight end. You can move him to H-back. If you're a creative offensive coordinator and you're eyeing this Falcons head coaching job, it should be really intriguing to you because there are a lot of weapons. You got a lot of toys to play with that were underutilized by Arthur Smith. And the fact that his tenure had to end with him cussing out Dennis Allen, I think it's a fitting way for him to go out. Like, Dennis Allen, this dude was like, whoa, bro, like, why are you so upset? Like, my bad. And then you got Dennis Allen come back saying, that's not who we are. Like, no, Dennis Allen, no. No, play through the whistle. F sportsmanship. I get tired of people crying about sportsmanship. Like, I'm trying to win. I'm not trying to put my... Foot off the gas until the refs say the game is over. And the final score gets submitted and, you know, finalized. Like, I could give a damn about how the other players feel about me running it up. I remember one time when I was playing middle school ball, we got blowed out like 58-3 to against one of the best middle school teams in the history of Jacksonville. And I ain't hear nobody yelling at them for sportsmanship when they were scoring three more touchdowns with only like three minutes left in the game. So miss me with all that sportsmanship talk, bro. Like, who cares? If you got a problem with the other team scoring on you, guess what you should do? Stop it. It's simple. If you don't like it, stop it. I'm glad that Arthur Smith is out of Atlanta now. I don't wish any coach to get fired. But when you have this amount of talent on offense and you do nothing with it, instead of trying to use them as decoys, you deserve to lose your job. It shouldn't have been hard to have success in Atlanta. Arthur Smith had plenty of time to turn this thing around. He decided to get rid of Matt Ryan, the best quarterback in Falcons history, and replace him with Marcus Mariota. And look where that got him. Nowhere. He decides to say, nah, we don't need Lamar Jackson. We're good with Desmond Ritter. And look where that got him. Nowhere. This dude cussed out Dennis Allen because he knew that his job was pretty much in question. He knew that he wasn't coming back. So he cussed him out, not because of the same scorn, but because of frustration. He needed somebody to take all that pent out anger on because he knew that this was going to be his final time coaching the Falcons. Like, I'm pretty sure he's a good guy off the field. You know, he seems pretty likable. I was listening to him when he was getting interviewed constantly on the Netflix quarterback docuseries when they were following Marcus Mariota. Like, he's like a cool head coach. But when it comes to calling the offense, I don't know what the hell this dude was thinking. What was the point of drafting B. John Robinson in the first round if you're not going to utilize him as a wide receiver? What's the point of drafting Drake London and Kyle Pitts if you're not going to find creative ways to get them involved in the offense and if you're not going to give them a quarterback that's competent enough 
to throw them accurate passes. Like, you really went with Desmond Ritter, fam? That's what you wanted to throw out there with your job on the line this season? And then you're playing musical chairs going from Desmond Ritter to Taylor Heineke back to Desmond Ritter, bro. Like, make up your damn mind. Make up your mind. You see, when you miss on the quarterback position and you're okay with mediocrity, are you okay with a game manager at QB? This is what you get. You get Arthur Smith. When you have somebody who is a game manager who chooses to be conservative, of course you're going to have a hard time getting your playmakers the ball, such as Kyle Pitts and Drake London. Because Desmond Ritter isn't that good of a QB. He throws a lot of checkdowns. He may take a couple of shots downfield here or there. If there's a busted coverage, he may be able to get the ball to him. But for the most part, this dude struggles to make good decisions with the football. He turns the ball over constantly, especially when you get inside the red zone. And even when he does have a good game, he's still giving it up to the other team. Anytime you're playing Desmond Ritter, it's like Christmas, bro, because he's like Santa. He's constantly giving you additional help with all his crazy turnovers, all his stupid decisions, all his fumbles, all his interceptions. Like, Arthur Smith was a really good offensive coordinator under Mike Vrabel with the Tennessee Titans. He goes to Atlanta, and you think that you have this innovative offensive guy as your head coach, when all you really had was somebody who just wanted to use his best players as decoys. Sometimes he'll try to get a little bit fancy with it. You know, there was one game I was watching when he threw a tight end pass with Jonu Smith, and it didn't go nowhere. Like, I never thought that Arthur Smith was ever going to work out as the head coach in Atlanta. Only because he was the offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans. I'm like, bro, like the Tennessee Titans run one of the most basic offenses in the NFL. All it is is give it to Derrick Henry and throw the football when need be with Ryan Tannehill. That was it. It was never anything special about Arthur Smith. He was never going to be the next Sean McVay. He was never going to be the next Kyle Shanahan. There was nothing about his offense that was cutting edge or innovative. Like you had all these positionless players that people were hyping up. Cardell Patterson playing the Joker position. What about Cardell Patterson and his skill set was unique to this Falcons offense? Oh, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can play a little bit of receiver. He can do all kinds of things. You can line him up anywhere. Did we ever see Cardell Patterson utilize uniquely by Arthur Smith? No. Only thing they do is put him at running back. I don't remember watching too many Falcons games this year, and I watched a good amount of them because I had B. John Robinson on my fantasy team, and I never really saw Cardo Patterson lining up anywhere else outside of running back. Like, it makes no sense. You got Tyler Algier, B. John Robinson, and Cardo Patterson. You would think that you would try to use Cardo Patterson more in the slot, but that just goes to show you that Arthur Smith was just a little bit overhyped. People get these offensive-minded head coaches and they think that, oh, we got oh, to do was a good OC. Oh, he's going to be able to do a lot of innovative things with this offense. Like, there was never anything that Arthur Smith ever did with the Tennessee Titans that was cutting edge or innovative. You know, like, I'm glad that this dude is out of Atlanta. He didn't deserve an extra year. 
I know you're going to get some of the Falcons fans who say, man, I'm tired of always having a new head coach. Well, that's just what comes with the with the sport. When you have a head coach who can't win games, guess what happens? You get fired. It's just like me and you when we go to work. We don't get the job done. Guess what happens? We get fired. You never hear our boss talking about how, man, I'm tired of firing employees. I'm tired of always having to replace guys. Like, that's just how life works. And you can't get... Something done right, guess what your boss is going to do? Find somebody else who can. You got to keep firing head coaches until you find the right guy. Arthur Smith wasn't it. And as soon as I saw him cussing out Dennis Allen after the game, I knew his ass was out of there. I knew it. There was no way you could bring this fool back, man. What an embarrassment. You're going to underutilize B. John Robinson, Kyle Pitts, and, and Drake London. You're going to... Go with Desmond Ritter when you had a chance to get Lamar Jackson? This dude deserved to get fired, man. He he just wasn't a good offensive-minded coach. The offense never looked anything cutting edge. It never looked special. And the majority of games they won this season, it was because of how well the defense played. They should have been fired, Arthur Smith. They should have fired this dude around week 10, week 11, and let the defensive coordinator have taken over as the interim head coach, and maybe they would have won a couple of more games. Like, bro, this dude really thought that Desmond Ritter was going to be the future at quarterback. This is what happens when you're okay with mid at quarterback. Desmond Ritter is the definition of mid. This is who this dude really chose to rock with this season. Like, he really went out there and replaced Matt Ryan, a borderline Hall of Famer, with Marcus Mariota. Like, are you serious? And him cussing out Dennis Allen pretty much was the cherry on top of the cake. I knew once I saw that happen post-game, he was out of there. Before we move on, leave a like, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. We got a lot more things to talk about, man. We're just getting started. Breaking news if you haven't already, man. Arthur Smith has gotten fired by the Atlanta Falcons. This is crazy. I really thought I really thought that you guys were trolling when you said that Arthur Smith got fired. I, I thought that y'all were just joking. I thought y'all was just trying to be funny, but I looked it up just now, and he really did get fired. It's crazy how we just went ahead and just did the segment, bro. Like, after he cussed out Dennis Allen, I knew he was about to get fired. Like, him cussing out Dennis Allen wasn't because they scored the touchdown, but it was just because he was irritated, because he knew his job was pretty much over. He knew that he was about to get fired. Now, let's move on to this, right? You know, before this season started, back in August, you couldn't tell nobody that the Jaguars weren't going to win the AFC South. You had people who were hyping up Trevor Lawrence to be an MVP candidate. You had people in the national media, such as Colin Coward, who were picking the Jaguars to get the number one seed in the AFC. And then imagine... A couple of months later, the Jaguars going from 8-3 and three to out of the playoffs. The downfall of the Jaguars has to be talked about. Trevor Lawrence, like this dude is a bust at this moment right now. He's not a bust because he's a bad quarterback, but he's a bust because he hasn't lived up to the high expectations that were put upon him when he got taken by the Jaguars first overall a couple of years ago. He was tabbed as a generational quarterback. He was supposed to be the next Andrew Luck. And I've yet to see anything generational about Trevor Lawrence. When he's on, he's a really good quarterback. He's a top 10 quarterback. No doubt about that. 
But here's the problem with Trevor Lawrence. This dude is like a it's like a light switch on and off every single week. One week he plays good, the next week he plays awful. The next week after that, he plays mid. He doesn't take care of the football. He looks really shaky when he gets pressure in his face. And he's really volatile. And I don't think the dude is, you know, like terrible. I only call him a bust. Because it's similar to how if you follow the NBA, people used to call Andrew Wiggins a bust. Andrew Wiggins wasn't getting called a bust because he was terrible. He was getting called a bust because he didn't live up to the hype that comes with being the number one overall pick. And Trevor Lawrence is the epitome of that. And maybe there were too many high expectations for Trevor Lawrence. Alright, maybe people jumped the gun giving this dude the generational label. And maybe Kayla Williams could suffer the same fate. But Trevor Lawrence, man, like, this dude just self-imploded against the Tennessee Titans. He threw two interceptions that were really awful. He overthrew Evan Ingram. And he played so bad that there were Jaguar fans during the game on social media saying that maybe they had a better chance at beating Tennessee if they didn't play Trevor Lawrence. I had to tell one of my homeboys that, no, 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 no. Regardless if Trevor Lawrence was, wasn't fully healthy or not, this dude is supposed to be your franchise quarterback. That means that regardless if he's 100% or if he's 70 or 80%, he gives you a better shot than whoever else you have behind him on the bench. But there were a lot of Jags fans that really believed that they would be in the playoffs right now if they started C.J. Beathard. That's cold. That's really cold. You could have beaten the Baltimore Ravens if Trevor Lawrence wasn't turning the football over left and right. This dude is a turnover machine. Anytime you get a little bit of pressure in his face, he just unravels. But when you can keep this guy protected, you can keep him upright, throwing from a clean pocket, he's a really good quarterback. But he's just so inconsistent. And not just is he inconsistent, but the whole entire team is inconsistent. Like, Doug Peterson, he doesn't have to go... But his offensive coordinator, Press Taylor, has to go. And that defensive coordinator needs to go, too. If Jeff... Listen, Doug Peterson, I thought he was calling the plays at one point. I never knew that he had somebody else at his OC calling the plays. So he needs to find another OC that is better calling plays that can find a way to maximize Trevor Lawrence's potential. Trevor Lawrence has yet to reach his ceiling. If Trevor Lawrence is able to put it all together, this dude should arguably be the best quarterback in the NFL. All right, nobody denies the talent and potential that Trevor Lawrence has. Nobody's saying that he's a bad quarterback. But for some reason, the coaching staff down there that Doug Peterson has in place in Jacksonville doesn't know how to get the best out of this dude on a week-to-week basis. You know, like, you never should have gotten blown out by the San Francisco 49ers. You should have been able to stay with those boys. Like, they were a better team than you. Not saying that you should have won that game, but you definitely shouldn't have gotten humiliated the way that you did. Like, this team is a lot better than what I initially thought coming into this season. And I never really felt like the Jaguars were going to be a Super Bowl contender this year like how many people thought they would be. I live in Jacksonville. People were saying, oh, JT, you don't know nothing about the Jaguars. Who's watching the Jaguars? Me, fool. I live in Jacksonville. I've lived in this city all my life. I've been watching Jaguars football since David Garrod. So trust me, 
I know about the history of the Jaguars. I know about the Jaguars' history and the weaknesses and strengths. And Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback that this franchise has had since Blake Bortles. And not even him. He's the best quarterback that this franchise has had ever. So, of course, he's not going anywhere. You're not going to trade this dude. You need to find a way, if you're Doug Peterson, to get this dude playing at a top five level, which is what he's definitely capable of. We've seen Trevor Lawrence have great performances. But this was a down season for him. And he's the main reason why Jacksonville missed the playoffs. The defense played pretty good the first eight games of the season. Then he had some injuries in the secondary. And then they completely fell apart. But anytime they played against a solid offense, even when they were healthy, they got carved up. Like Jacksonville, I think them missing the playoffs it's the best thing that could happen to this organization. You know, they had a lot of hype going into the season. Everybody was giving them high praise for nearly beating Kansas City in last year's playoffs. But you see, when you get so much praise from people, it's easy to overlook your biggest weaknesses. And the biggest weaknesses that Jacksonville had coming into this year that nobody talked about was their inconsistency on defense. Like last year, their defense wasn't that great. Their defense was only good when it came to forcing turnovers and big moments. They weren't a great unit. And even the offensive line coming into this season was out of sorts. Like we knew Jawan Taylor was a little bit overrated. We, we see that coming full circle in Kansas City right now. I'm, I'm pretty sure they regret giving Jawan Taylor all that money. But when you moved on from him, you never found the serviceable replacement. You know, your offensive line wasn't good. People didn't talk about that. People didn't talk about how the pass rush was inconsistent outside of Josh Allen. Like, Trayvon Walker is coming along, but Aiden Hutchinson is still a much better player. Gets more pressures. Impacts the game a lot more than what Trayvon Walker does. Like, he's better in run support. That's cool. It's a passing league. You need to be able to affect the quarterback. Trayvon Walker doesn't do that. At the level that you expect for somebody who gets taken number one overall. You see, like, the Jaguars have a lot of talented young pieces that just needs better coaching to unlock their full potential. To get them playing at their highest level. You see, like, the Jaguars this season, I never bought into the hype on them. And a lot of people from in the city that I'm friends with were saying how I was sleeping on the Jaguars. I never was sleeping on the Jaguars. Like, I just was realistic about this team. I felt this team, at best this season, would be good enough to go to the divisional round. And I thought that they would win the AFC South. But who would have thought that not only would they not make it to the playoffs, but the Texans of all teams would win this division? Like, who would have thought this team's expectations were way too high? And they weren't obviously able to handle them. They weren't able to live up to them. It's funny how not only do you have a quarterback that can't live up to expectations, but you just have a team that as soon as they got a little bit of expectations from the national media, people started talking about them, they started playing bad. They went from 8-3, being in contention to win the one seed, to out of the playoffs. The downfall of Jacksonville this year was really disappointing. And you know, like, the fans showed up to nearly every single home game. Like, all of the home games were sold out. They were lit. You want to know why? Because people were going to the games because they had a shot at winning the division. They had a shot at not only making it to the playoffs, but potentially making a deep playoff run. People in Jacksonville were really high on Jacksonville 
or high on the Jaguars coming into this season. And I was telling people, like, I was made public enemy number one. You guys can go back and watch the content that I made about Jacksonville before the season started. I, I was going back and forth with everybody saying how this team just wasn't ready to compete yet. This was never a team that was built to win the Super Bowl this year. I felt they were an offseason away from being legitimate contenders. Oh, but we got Calvin Ridley. Cool, you got Calvin Ridley, but you didn't know how to use him until like the last couple of weeks into the season. I had this dude on my fantasy team. I invested the first round pick in Calvin Ridley, bro. He's one of the biggest disappointments in fantasy football this year. You got Evan Ingram, who gets wide open in big moments of games, and Trevor Lawrence either throws the ball in the dirt to him or just completely misses him. Like, this team is just all over the place. You got a quarterback who's all over the place. Like, when I watch Trevor Lawrence play, like, it's really weird sometimes because sometimes he just looks a little clumsy. It's just like he, he, he'll he run with the football and he'll be, like, rumbling, stumbling all over the place. Like, the dude will be throwing balls into the dirt. Like, he'll be making, like, hand-scratching interceptions. It's just like, what the hell am I watching right now? Like, what the hell am I watching out of the Jacksonville Jaguars? Like, honestly, bro, like, I watched so many Jazz games this year, and I just used to be asking myself, like, what the hell am I really witnessing right now? Like, is this really the Jaguars team that people thought could win the one seed? Is this really who people thought could be a dark horse Super Bowl contender? Is this really the quarterback who people... We're thinking could potentially win MVP this year? Like, Jacksonville was all over the place this year, man. And this was a good thing for this franchise. Because, you see, what would have happened is that Jacksonville would have went to the playoffs and it would have ran it back with the same coordinators. And that would have been a problem. The coordinators are not good. Everybody gets caught up in the takeaways and whatnot and starts using all these excuses. You see, when you make excuses... It puts you in a bad position because when you make excuses for what needs to be changed, it ultimately ends up coming back to bite you in the you-know-what. And that's what happened to Jacksonville this year. They should have moved on from their offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator last year. The offense was inconsistent last year. The only reason they started getting a little bit of notoriety from the national media was because the offense late last season started to get a little hot. You know, you had that game against the Dallas Cowboys. You had that comeback against the Los Angeles Chargers, despite all the interceptions that Trevor Lawrence threw. Like, if you want a good example of what Trevor Lawrence is as a quarterback, what he is at his worst, and what he is at his best, go back and watch that L.A. Chargers wildcard matchup when they lost to the Jaguars last season. The first half of that game was the Trevor Lawrence that you could see when he's at his worst. He's turning the football over. He's making bad decisions. He's all over the place. He's being clumsy with the ball. He's overthrowing guys. And then the second half of that game, you see the Trevor Lawrence that many people envisioned him being when he got selected number one overall years ago by Jacksonville. A top five quarterback, a quarterback who can make all the throws, has great athleticism, even though he is tall and he does have a little bit of a weird running style. Like, you got to do who could potentially be the best quarterback in the game. Like, that Chargers game against the Jaguars was a tell of two halves for not just Trevor Lawrence in that game specifically, but his career. In the second half, you saw what he could be at his best. And the first half, you got a glimpse of what this dude is at his worst. Jacksonville needs to find more consistency. This season 
was a massive disappointment. And when I make my most overhyped teams list in the next couple of days, they're definitely going to be on it. And they're probably going to be number one, bro. Like, so many people were so high on Jacksonville this year, and I couldn't believe it. I really couldn't believe it, bro. Like, oh, you don't know shit about Jacksonville, bro. I know you're not watching the Jaguars play because who's watching the Jaguars play? Uh, maybe you don't know, but I'm from Jacksonville, bro. I've been watching this team my whole entire life. I done seen, I done seen it all in Jacksonville. I remember when we drafted Blaine Gabbert, fam. It was a time when Blaine Gabbert came to my school when I was in elementary, right? And we booed this dude on stage, bro. Nobody wanted to hear him talk. Like, bro, like... I remember when we did Maurice Jones Drew Dirty and we didn't want to pay him and he went to the Raiders. Like, I remember everything about this organization, bro. So if there's anybody that you're going to get an unbiased opinion from when it comes to the Jaguars, it's going to be me. Like, I'm from the city, bro. I'm, I'm in top with the team. Y'all, Yo, you, you hating on Jacksonville, bro. Why does everybody got to hate on Jacksonville? Oh, uh, you, you don't want to see the Jaguars have a little bit of success? Uh, we almost beat Kansas City. Who cares about almost? Almost only counts in the horseshoe. Did you get the win? No, you didn't. There, like, there were so many people who had so many high expectations for Jacksonville when they didn't deserve it. This team, at best, was going to be a divisional round exit. At best, that was it. This team is just inconsistent. That's all they've been under Doug Peterson the last couple of years. Like, Trevor Lawrence took a massive leap. And year two, that was to be expected when you had Doug Peterson coming in, replacing one of the worst head coaches in the history of the NFL and Urban Meyer. But year three, I possibly would consider this to be a sophomore slump for, for Trevor Lawrence. Although it wasn't his second season, it was his third season. But technically, this was his sophomore season because we can't even count his rookie season. The coaching was so bad that, you know, it was hard to really evaluate the dude. So this was a slump. For Trevor Lawrence this season, this whole entire Jaguars team just completely fell off the rails after they started out 8-3. and three. Like, once they started playing some good teams, like the 49ers and the Ravens and even the Bengals, like, they got exposed. And before I end this, like, I told my homie who was picking the Jacksonville Jaguars to cover against Tennessee, like, you're making a big mistake, fam. Like, Mike Vrabel is the last coach who you should ever bet against the last week of the season. Especially when you have a quarterback as turnover prone and inconsistent as Trevor Lawrence. Like, this is a good thing for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like, now they got no more excuses for why they don't need to make a change at coordinator because they do. They need to bring in a new OC, a new DC, go into the offseason, get some better corners, get some more talent on the interior of that defensive line. Also get some more talent on the interior of that offensive line as well. Like the Jaguars aren't too far away from being contenders. And I actually believe that next season is probably going to be the year where they finally live up to the Super Bowl expectations. You see, when Jacksonville is going to be good is when a lot of people are counting them out. Because next season, everybody's going to be so infatuated with the Houston Texans and Anthony Richardson coming back. And there's going to be a little bit of talk about Will Levinson with the Jaguars ending this season with how they did. Everybody's going to look at that and they're going to say, man, you can't trust Trevor Lawrence. He's too turnover prone. Oh, you can't trust Doug Peterson. Some of his in-game decisions are a little bit questionable sometimes. So people are going to ride off Jacksonville next year. And this is, and that's going to be the season when 
Jacksonville ends up living up to the expectations that people have for them this season. But this year, they they just weren't ready. You know, like, they overachieved last season, in a sense. Like, they beat the Chargers in the wild card. They, they beat the worst head coach in the NFL in the playoffs that year. Brandon Staley, where is he? He's fired. Like, the best win that the Jaguars have this season is, is against who? Like, the Pittsburgh Steelers? That's about it. And if you were to play Pittsburgh again with Mason Rudolph at QB, you probably don't win that game. So, this season for the Jacksonville Jaguars, like, whew. Massive, massive disappointment. Like, this team was so overhyped this year. So overhyped. But this season would do a lot of good for them moving forward. Because now you know what needs to be changed. You know what needs to be improved. You know what you need to do in the offseason if you're Doug Peterson. Get some new coordinators in there. Beef up the interior of the O-line, D-line. Maybe get a couple of more corners. And you'll be straight next season. Like, I expect Jacksonville to be competing for a Super Bowl next season. Like, I never felt like this year was the year the Jaguars were going to be a legitimate contender. I always felt that 2024, in hindsight, was the year that the Jaguars were going to be able to put it all together. Who would have thought that the Houston Texans, out of all teams in the AFC South, would win the damn division? And even me. I was surprised at how good this damn team was, and I picked them to win seven games. Like, C.J. Stroud had the greatest rookie season in NFL history, bro. This dude was a phenomenon. He was, bro. Like, this dude was incredible this season. He was better than Trevor Lawrence. He was better than Jalen Hurts. He was a top five quarterback this year. Just strictly based on what C.J. Stroud has done in regular season, there's only four of the quarterbacks that I would take over him. Joe Burrow, the Marvelous, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen. After that, I would go with C.J. Stroud. And the fact that D'Amico Ryans was hired by this organization and was able to turn this thing around in only the span of a year is not just a testament to how great of a head coach he is, but how great of a staff he has. Like, Houston fans were down in the dumps, bro. Like, you were in the gutter for the last couple of years. Like, you remember when Bill O'Brien just completely tore apart a damn near Super Bowl caliber team, gets rid of DeAndre Hopkins, makes the bad trade and gets a washed up running back, trades away one of your best offensive tackles and makes awful decisions in a draft. Like, there was a point where things looked really dark for Houston. And then you hire David Culley to be your head coach. You you got Lovey Smith as your head coach after him. Like, it, it was a tough time being a Texans fan at one point. And then all of a sudden, you bring in D'Amico Ryans, and he just injects immediate change into this organization. Not just with the performance on the field, but in the locker room. You look at how these players interact with each other. You never saw this with Lovey Smith. You never saw this with David Culley, your head coach before Lovey Smith. Like, the Houston Texans this season have been the best story in the NFL. This was a team that people thought was possibly going to be picking in the top five, top ten again. People thought that this team at most would win like five, six games. That just shows you what happens when you get the right head coach and you get the right quarterback. There's this narrative going around that defensive coaches can't win in the NFL no more. Like, that's bullshit. You can win with any head coach, rather if you were a former special teams coordinator or a defensive coordinator. It doesn't matter, bro. You can win 
with the head coach that isn't offensive minded. As long as they can hire the right guys on the coaching staff and they can get the quarterback situation right. And that's what Houston did when they drafted C.J. Stroud. And on top of that, they drafted a wide receiver that C.J. Stroud really wanted, Taindell. Well, you want to find a way to find, you want to find a way to make sure your quarterback's successful, ask them who you should draft, and you go ahead and get it done. Like, Taindell was my second overall wide receiver in the draft last year behind Zay Flowers. He was a stud this year, and it's unfortunate that we might not see him play in the postseason. Maybe if they make it to the AFC Championship, they can. But, like, you were counted out. You were rolling off. Nobody gave you a shot. Like, people thought that you were going to be one of the worst teams in the league again this year. And C.J. Stroud and D'Amico Ryans, bro, like, they turned lemons into lemonade. Like, the offensive line has been awful this season. Doesn't matter. Like, you're, you're a very young team. Like, the majority of your best players are young, and they're not even in their prime yet. And you've dominated the draft. Like, the Texans are going to be a contender. In the next couple of years. I don't know if you're going to be a legitimate contender next year. You possibly could. If C.J. Stroud takes an even bigger step next season. And he becomes like a top three quarterback. You definitely can be in that conversation. But there's a few things that you got to clean up. A few things you got to improve. But this is a great starting point. For the Houston Texans as an organization. Like C.J. Stroud was crying. After they beat the Indianapolis Colts man. Like I, I damn near shed a tear too. Like. You, you trade away DeAndre Hopkins. You trade away Deshaun Watson as a Texans fan, bro. It's like watching what happened to your squad at one point get disassembled by Bill O'Brien has to be like getting your soul ripped out of your body. There was no reason to turn on the Texans game prior to D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud arriving. Like, you were probably thinking that you would be an 8-9 win team, but I don't think anybody, including yourself, expected this. Like, D'Amico Ryans, without a doubt, is coach of the year, in my opinion. You, you can give it to Kevin Stefanski all you want to, but the Browns were expected to make it to the postseason. All right, now, what he's doing with Joe Flacco is incredible. It's remarkable in his own right, but nobody expected Houston to win the AFC South. Everybody just automatically felt like this division was on lock. And it was the Jacksonville Jaguars to lose. It's crazy how fast you can turn a franchise around in a span of one offseason when you get the right quarterback and you get the right head coach. Oh, we're just glad that we didn't take Bryce Young. Like, it didn't matter if you took Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. Like, you still would have been great because you got a great staff. You got a great front office now. Like, any other quarterbacks would have been fine in Houston. Because of the coaching staff. It's all about where you go. C.J. Stroud went to an organization with the head coach and general manager that listened to him. That took him in. Built the scheme around him. And C.J. Stroud, to his credit, like, this was also somebody who was counted out. Somebody who people didn't really have extremely high expectations for. Like, nobody really was high on C.J. Stroud until after he balled out against Georgia. After that game, that's when people started to come around on C.J. Stroud. But even then, like, you had people comparing him to Jared Goff. I felt like him getting compared to Jared Goff was extremely disrespectful. Like, this dude ain't no Jared Goff. This dude is not Jared Goff at all, bro. He's way better than Jared Goff. I felt like that was really disrespectful. Like, the Texans this year, man, like, they proved everybody wrong this year. Like, I, it may have been only, like, 1% of the population 
that thought that Houston would have been able to pull this feed off. Like, this defense has so many great young players on it. We all know about Will Anderson, but what about Jalen Petrie? Jalen Petrie is a top five safety in the NFL. Like, Derek Stingley. I forgot about this dude. Like, Lovey Smith didn't know how to use him at all. He goes to the Miko Ryans, and all of a sudden, despite missing a good amount of games, this dude is racking up the interceptions. The Houston Texans, with the young players that they have right now and their current infrastructure, I'm really confident that they're about to win the Super Bowl in the next three to five years. And that may be, you know, like, high praise. That may be a bold statement. But with how well they draft and how good they are at player development and putting their players in positions to thrive, this is going to be a Super Bowl contender in the next couple of years. May not be next season, but it's definitely going to be in the next couple of years. It's just around the corner. They, they made it to the postseason, and nobody even thought that it would have been possible. Like, if you would have told somebody back in August that the Texans were going to win the AFC South over the Jaguars, they would have asked you if you were crazy or if you were drunk. And could you have blamed them? I mean, honestly. Like, as a Steeler fan, when I saw CJ Stroud just completely obliterate Mike Tomlin's defense, I knew this dude was him. I knew it. Like, after that game, as a Steeler fan, I was looking at CJ Stroud and I was like, this dude's a top five quarterback. There was a point during the season, he was playing at an MVP level. He was legitimately in the MVP discussion. There will never be a rookie quarterback to have the kind of season that C.J. Stroud has had. Like, maybe Caleb Williams, but what C.J. Stroud did this season, I truthfully believe is a phenomenon. Because this dude is just built different. The, the teammates love him. They rally behind him in the locker room. The coaches, like, they listen to him. Like, they when he offers them suggestions, like, they take it into account. This is just an overall well-worn organization. It is. And it's crazy because a couple of years ago, you went from Bill O'Brien just completely tearing apart your team, training away DeAndre Hopkins. You know, eventually he gets fired. You trade away Deshaun Watson, and there's no hope. There's no reason to be optimistic about the future. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're... Two bad head coaches get fired. And then you bring in the Miko Ryans. You get C.J. Stroud who falls in your lap. You get some star rookies, Will Anderson, Tank Dell. And you got some good second-year players who step up. Jalen Petrie, Derek Stanley. And all of a sudden, you know, you take the division away from Jacksonville, who people thought was a lock to win it. You see, like, the difference between the Texans and the Jaguars is that the Texans were way more consistent this year. You got way more consistent quarterback play out of C.J. Stroud. You got way more consistent coaching out of D'Amico Ryans. There wasn't too many games I watched this season when I was like, bro, D'Amico, what the hell are you doing with that clock management? What the hell are you doing with this end-game decision-making? Like, Bobby Slowick, their offensive coordinator, despite only being a play caller for a year, like, there are tons of teams that are probably going to have them have him on their board when it comes to potential head coaches. He may not get a head coaching job, but I definitely expect him to get a couple of interviews. And if he does next season what he did this season and C.J. Stroud is even better, he's going to be a head coach in two years. Like, he's not going to be around for too long. Like, D'Amico Ryans completely nailed all the hires on his coaching staff. All of them. From the offensive coordinator to the people who do, like, the strength and conditioning. 
Like, this is a completely stud coaching staff that D'Amico Ryans has, led by a stud head coach and himself. Like, I don't think you can give coach of the year to anybody else but D'Amico Ryans. Like, this dude brought this franchise out of the gutter. Like, they were in the shallow realm at one point. It was tough if you were a Texans fan, bro. Like, you never thought that you were ever going to be able to see the day that the Houston Texans would be hosting a home playoff game. And instead, like, and only to spend on one year, one offseason, you go from being one of the worst teams in the NFL, being a laughing stock, to hosting a playoff game, calling yourself FC South champions. Like, hats off to the Miko Ryans, CJ Stroud, and everybody else on that Texans team and inside that organization because you proved everybody wrong. Like, everybody. Everybody. The Tempe Buccaneers shocked the world this year. All right? Nobody, and I mean nobody I saw that was doing regular predictions, even had Tampa Bay winning more than five games. Like, Baker Mayfield, you can't give comeback player of the year to anybody else, maybe, but Joe Flacco. To anybody else, like, anybody else who's in conversation to win comeback player of the year is probably Joe Flacco, and then it's Baker Mayfield, and then it's everybody else, bro, like, I listened to Colin Coward on his podcast say that Baker Mayfield should have retired before the season so he could save himself from the embarrassment. Like, nobody thought that Baker Mayfield would have the kind of season that he's had this year with the Tempe Buccaneers. And not just was he overlooked and not given a shot, but Tom Bowles, like, after what happened with Brady last season, like, people thought that Tom Bowles should have been fired, bro. Like, they barely won the division with Tom Brady. They barely made it into the postseason. And yet, Tom Bowles had this team playing at a better level this season than what it was last year under Tom Brady. Now, I still don't believe that Tom Bowles is a great coach, but he's won this division for two consecutive years in a row. Regardless of how bad it is, you got to give him props for it. You know, like, if you are at least a solid head coach, you should at least be able to win a division like this. And Todd Bowles was able to do that. So now Todd Bowles, he goes from being, you know, a bad head coach in my eyes to a mid-tier head coach in my eyes. Like this dude, if you need him to win you a few games here or there, he can do it. The defense was pretty good for the most part outside of that performance when you got your ass shredded by C.J. Stroud. This defense has been lights out. Your offense is still a little inconsistent, but the hiring of Dave Canales was a pretty good one. And it may be one of the most underrated staff hires of last year's offseason. Like, everybody's talking about how the Dolphins hired Vic Vangio and the Vikings hired Brian Flores and the Ravens hired Todd Munkin. But hiring Dave Canales was huge for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This was somebody who was the quarterback's coach for the last couple of years with Russell Wilson and Geno Smith. And he did God's work. Well, Baker Mayfield and this 10 Bay Buccaneers offense, they still can't run the football, but at least they have a serviceable passing attack. You got Mike Evans having a great season. You got Chris Godwin having a pretty solid season. But for Baker Mayfield, like, I don't think you can make the argument for anybody else winning comeback player of the year outside of Joe Flacco. Like, if it's not Joe Flacco, it has to be Baker Mayfield, bro, because nobody gave this dude a shot. This is Baker Mayfield's fourth team in like three years. Traded by the Browns to Carolina, cut by the Panthers, picked up by the Rams. They don't re-sign him. He comes to Tampa Bay and reinvents himself. 
and bounces back. Like, this is one of the greatest comeback stories, not just of the season, but the NFL history. Like, hats off to Demar Hamlin for nearly dying on the football field, getting resuscitated back to life, and being able to even suit up and play another snap of football. But Baker Mayfield should win comeback player of the year. Unless you want to give it to Joe Flacco, then I wouldn't have no argument against that neither. But I really feel it should go to either Baker Mayfield or Joe Flacco. Really, they should just split the award if we be honest about it. Because what Joe Flacco is doing right now, when he was a couple of months ago sitting on the couch, and then all of a sudden leads the Browns to the playoffs is remarkable. But so is what Baker Mayfield has done this season. Like, nobody gave this dude the chance. Like, people were counting down the days to... When he was going to get benched for Kyle Trask. And he had some pretty ugly performances in training camp. Like he didn't look all that great in training camp. He had a lot of performances when he was turning the football over. There were days when Kyle Trask looked better than Baker. And at one point, we were asking ourselves, you know, like, were they tanking for Caleb Williams potentially when they signed Baker Mayfield? So, like, now, you look at Baker Mayfield. This is definitely somebody who, you know, I want to give him a big-time extension. I possibly still could draft a quarterback because we've seen feel-good stories like this. You know, next season just completely evaporate and that quarterback just goes back to playing like dirt or playing mid like we've seen Geno Smith do this season for the Seattle Seahawks. But Baker Mayfield, if I'm the Tempe Buccaneers, I'd possibly give him a one-year, two-year extension and then I draft a quarterback and then take it from there. I don't know if Baker Mayfield is the long-term answer. There still has been. A lot of games that he's played this season where he hasn't looked that great. But the good outweighs the bad for Baker Mayfield this season. And he hit all his incentives. You know, he's top five in touchdowns or passing touchdowns, passing yards, like touchdown interception ratio, and has his team in the postseason. So it's like these dudes have just completely shocked the whole entire NFL. Like nobody expected Tampa Bay to be in a damn playoffs like nobody everybody mostly thought that they were going to be taken for Kayla Williams so you go from being expected to tank for Kayla Williams to three four months later winning this division and the talent was there like nobody ever questioned like how talented the Buccaneers were like this is the most talented team in this division we're just going purely off talent but you know you probably were thinking before the season like you know maybe midway through the year things aren't working out we should just Trade away Mike Evans, trade away Chris Godwin, trade away our best players and start trying to get those assets so we can go into a rebuild. But you know, like this was a fantastic job by Baker Mayfield this season and how he played and also Todd Bowles. Like, I got to give my hats off to him. I, I really thought that him firing their previous offensive coordinator, Byron Leftwich, was a scapegoat move. I really thought that Todd Bowles was going to get fired this season. I really did. And even if... You know, the Buccaneers aren't that good next season. If you're Todd Bowles, you can look at this and you can look at what you did last season and say, man, you're going to fire me after I just won this division two straight years in a row. So this year, if you're Todd Bowles, gives you at least two additional years in Tampa Bay. If things don't go right for you for the 2024 NFL season, you can use your past two seasons winning this division back-to-back -back years, making it to the playoffs. As, you know, a little bit of leverage to the organization saying, hey, man, like, I went to the playoffs two straight years in a row. Like, I deserve at least another year or so. So, making it to the playoffs buys you more time remaining in Tampa if you're the head coach, Todd Bowles.
all right, and even if Tampa doesn't end up being good next season, you know, and they they possibly fizzle out. The good thing is that you know if you give Baker Mayfield a one year, two year extension, you can go, you can draft the quarterback high in next year's draft. So I think this is a great situation that the Buccaneers are currently in right now. This was a team that was supposed to be in rebuild mode. They were supposed to be garbage. You got it, it's kind of like the Island of Misfit Toys in a sense. Like Todd Bowles wasn't given a shot. People felt he was a terrible head coach. People thought Baker Mayfield was a terrible quarterback. Like, his best days were behind him. And the Cleveland Browns. Like, yeah, you got Joe Flacco, but, you know, it hasn't really worked out. You given getting rid of Baker Mayfield. Like, you traded for Deshaun Watson, and Baker Mayfield has been better than him. Let's just be honest about it. If Baker Mayfield was playing for Cleveland right now, they possibly would have the one or two seed right now. They would be in a better position to win a Super Bowl than what they are right now with Joe Flacco. Not taking anything away from Joe Flacco and what he's done this season, but I look at how Baker Mayfield has played this season for Tampa Bay, and I look at Cleveland and Kevin's defense, and I'm like, bro, you really couldn't win with this? Was it all Baker, or was it a little bit of you? Like, Baker Mayfield got made out to be a villain after everything that happened with OBJ... You know, people call him out for being childish with his on-the-field antics. But I've always been a big supporter of Baker Mayfield. You know, I didn't think that the dude was going to be that good this season. You know, I thought he was done. But I've always loved everything that Baker Mayfield brings to the table as a football player. I love his competitiveness. I love the fact that this dude is always playing with a chip on his shoulder. He wants to prove people wrong. And what a better way to stick it to the people like Colin Coward who said you should have retired before the season by leading your team to the playoffs and leading them to their second straight division title. Like, hats off to the Buccaneers, bro. Like, you guys have completely shocked the world because nobody really gave you a chance at all, bro. Like, Let's be honest, even if you're a Buccaneers fan, just be honest with me in the comment section, fam. If you are a fan of the Tim Bay Buccaneers, did you really expect this team to win this division again? Did you really think that Baker Mayfield would be top 10 in every statistical category? Like, come on, man. Be, be honest. No. Like, this was a great season for Todd Bowles and Baker Mayfield, bro. Like, I think they were a perfect match for each other. You had a head coach who was desperate to save his job, who was desperate to prove that he is a solid head coach. And you had a quarterback in Baker Mayfield who was playing for his career pretty much. If this thing in Tampa Bay didn't work, then he got benched. He probably would never be a starter again in the NFL. And if Todd Bowles, you know, if it didn't work out for him this season and he would have gotten fired, this possibly, most likely would have been his last opportunity of being the head coach again. He's a really good defensive-minded coach and the defense looked really good this year even though at times he had some coverage bust but you know like uh, Todd Bowles he's a solid head coach to me you know like I'm gonna give him respect he's not one of the best coaches in the league and you definitely could be better if you're Tampa Bay but you know like this was a great all-around story for Baker Mayfield and you know Todd Bowles we got some more things that we got to talk about, man. Um, if you haven't already, leave a like, subscribe to the channel. We got like 12 people right now watching this thing. This is the most viewed live stream that we've ever had. And I also want to say some more things about Arthur Smith because 
I'm not finished yet with him. Like, I got a lot more things to say about Arthur Smith. So, I'm going to get one more drink of water. I will ask you guys to do this. Follow me on my social media platforms, Instagram, X, and send me some questions that you guys would like answered potentially. Mike Tomlin needs to do the right thing. All right, the Steelers are going to be playing the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs, and you got a lot of the Steelers fans asking the question, who's going to be the starting quarterback? Like, should we go with Mason or should we go with Kenny Pickett? It's pretty obvious who should be starting for Pittsburgh in the playoffs this week. And that's Mason Rudolph, bro. Like, Mason Rudolph has completely transformed the Steelers' offense ever since he got the starting nod a couple of weeks ago. This offense finally has some damn juice. It feels good to see a quarterback that can actually throw to wide receivers when they're wide open. It feels good to see a quarterback that can actually throw the ball downfield. Like, you want to know something funny? When Kenny Pickett and Mason Rudolph were starting at quarterback for this team, George Pickens and Deontay Johnson, they were frustrated. You had Steelers fans saying, oh, we got to get rid of these guys. They're Antonio Brown 2.0s. They're, they're messing up the team chemistry. And all of a sudden, you start Mason Rudolph. And you have no more sideline outbursts out of George Pickens. You don't have any more frustration from Deontay Johnson. You want to know why? Because you got good quarterback play. When you get good quarterback play, the wide receivers aren't getting frustrated because they're actually getting the football. They're not getting constantly overthrown when they're wide open downfield. You're actually having a quarterback in Mason Rudolph who's going to give George Pickens opportunities. They catch the football downfield and do what he does best, mossing people and making big plays in the vertical passing game. Kenny Pickett, that's not part of his game. The best Kenny Pickett can do when he gets hot is work the quick passing game. That's about it. Mason Rudolph is just a completely better quarterback than Kenny Pickett. Oh, well, Kenny Pickett deserves opportunity to prove himself. He doesn't deserve anything. And I get tired of the people who always use this deserve word. Oh, he deserves this. He deserves that. No. In the NFL, what you are is where you deserve to be. Mason Rudolph is the starting quarterback right now because he deserves to be. Kenny Pickett is on the bench because he deserves to be on the bench because he sucks. I never wanted Kenny Pickett. And that's been well known and documented. You guys can go and watch my shorts. It's one of my most viewed videos ever. It was a terrible decision. There was nothing about Kenny Pickett that... That showed franchise quarterback. You see, like, regardless of how this playoff game against the Buffalo Bills goes, if Mason Rudolph plays well, he deserves to be QB1 going into next season. Now, of course, you can let these dudes fight it out during the offseason, OTAs, and training camp, whatever, but Mason Rudolph is the best option for the Steelers. And if Mike Tomlin was smart, he would ride this Mason Rudolph train as long as he can until this thing comes back down to earth. If it ever does come back down to earth. The Mason Rudolph that I see this year. Is way different than the Mason Rudolph that we last saw in 2019. When Miles Garrett knocked his ass out with that damn helmet. Mason Rudolph may be the future quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Will he ever be a top 10 quarterback? Probably not. But with the level of play that he has exhibited the last three games against the Baltimore Ravens and the Seattle Seahawks and the Cincinnati Bengals, like, this dude should have been starting earlier. And, like, Matt Canada was an awful coordinator. 
But maybe if Mason Rudolph was the starter, he would have made Matt Canada look better than what he actually was. Like, you see, when you're an offensive coordinator and you're not that good, but you get fortunate enough to get paired up with a great quarterback, the quarterback can make you better as a play caller because he can turn a bad play into a great play. And a great play into a magnificent play. But when you got a bad offensive coordinator, like, he doesn't elevate the, the quarterbacks. And the quarterback has to just completely carry and elevate him. In this sense, with Mason Rudolph at quarterback, he's making the interim OC look like he deserves to be the full-time OC for next season, which Mike Tomlin is probably going to do because Mike Tomlin is the kind of coach that he just likes to hire from within. And with how well this offense looks, just not being able to just throw the football downfield, but actually being able to run the football. You don't know why you can run the football now? Because now you're a threat to throw the ball and teams fear your passing game. Can you believe that teams actually fear Mason Rudolph? Like, it's pretty evident. Because earlier this season, like, you couldn't run the football for shit. Not because offensive line was terrible, but because everybody was just playing to stop the run. You were stacking seven, eight, nine guys in the box damn near because you weren't a threat to scare anybody with Mr. Trubisky and Kenny Pickett. Like, Kenny Pickett is a cool guy. You feel me? He's somebody that the players in the locker room probably like, but he's not somebody who should be the starting quarterback. And I don't view him as the franchise quarterback of this team. I view him as the franchise backup. Honestly, that's what Kenny Pickett is. He's a good backup quarterback, maybe a low-end starter. If he progresses and he improves. But he doesn't deserve anything. He doesn't deserve no opportunity. You see, you don't deserve anything in life. What you get in life is what you earned. Mason Rudolph earned the right to remain the starting quarterback going into the postseason. And it makes no sense to me that people are even making this a bigger deal than what it is when Mason Rudolph hasn't played bad at all to warrant him being benched. He's played too good for Kenny Pickett to come in and just take over the reins now. Like, what Mason Rudolph has done this season is better than anything that Kenny Pickett has done in the two years that he's been with this organization, bro. Like, Kenny Pickett this season has six touchdowns. Mason Rudolph in only three games has half of that. Imagine if Mason Rudolph was the day one starter for this team. Pittsburgh probably doesn't lose to New England, and they probably could have had a better shot at winning this division than what they did with... Kenny and Mr. Trubisky at quarterback. Like, Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers need to do the right thing. And that is riding with the hot hand. Mason Rudolph is having a list sanity run right now. And we don't know how long this thing is going to last. But I'm expecting this dude to have a really good game against the Buffalo Bills. This team has a lot of talent. You got great talent at wide receiver. Your offensive line looks pretty good. You got a stout run game. A great defense. You know, like, there's no reason why any quarterback should suck like how Kenny Pickett and Mr. Trubisky have. Mason Rudolph is getting the job done. Like, Mike Tomlin isn't somebody who really does a great job at evaluating the quarterback position. So if you're him, why would you complicate this decision and start Kenny Pickett? Like, we haven't seen this dude since when we last had that offensive explosion the first time we played Cincinnati and we scored 16 points. Like, Mason Rudolph comes in against Cincinnati, and this offense scores more points than what they have scored in, what, damn near, what, two years? Like, Mason Rudolph is giving the Steelers the best quarterback play they've had since Big Ben retired. It's pretty evident that Mason Rudolph has spent a lot of time honing and 
refining his game, and he's elevated himself as a quarterback. And I'm trying to figure out, like, why the hell was Mason Rudolph even QB3 to begin with, bro? You really mean to tell me that Mr. Trubisky was better than Mason Rudolph, bro? Like, all the games that the Steelers wasted throwing Mr. Trubisky out there when he's the worst quarterback in the NFL. Like, not just as a starter, but as a backup, too. This dude should be playing in the UFL. Honestly, bro, like, the dude sucks. Like, Mason Rudolph is obviously better than Kenny Pickett. So, therefore, why would it make any sense for Mike Tomlin to bench him? Why would you bench somebody that's playing good football unless you want to lose games? If Mike Tomlin wants to lose games, that's not fine with me. I'm pretty sure that's not fine with you. Do you guys want to win? Don't make this political. Okay, like... This doesn't need to be political. Just because Kenny Pick was a first-round pick doesn't mean anything, bro. Like, you don't start guys based on where they were drafted. You start guys based on how good they are performing at said moment. And Mason Rudolph is playing better than any quarterback the Steelers have started. It, 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 really, my, it really blows my mind that you really have people going to war for Kenny Pickett getting another opportunity to start again. Like, no, he shouldn't, bro. If anything, he should earn it in the offseason, let him slug it out to see who can be QB1, and maybe Kenny Pickett being on the bench and seeing Mace Rudolph have all this success motivates him and it makes him improve his game. But there, there was never anything flashy about Kenny Pickett. Like when Kenny Pickett was coming out of Pittsburgh, his ceiling at best was, you know, like a great value Joe Burrow. Like Jay Browning, what Jay Browning has been this season is Kenny Pickett's ceiling. That's it. That's not a high ceiling. And if you say, oh, JT, that's a terrible comparison. Like, his ceiling is a top 16 quarterback. Okay, cool. But is a top 16 quarterback going to be good enough to consistently win you games in the AFC North? When you got to go against Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson twice in the season? Like, is Kenny Pickett good enough to lead you to a Super Bowl? Hell no. Mason Rudolph, with the way he's playing, though, I really believe that the Steelers got a great chance are pulling off an upset in the postseason. I really do. Like, Mason Rudolph, this offense finally has a reason to not skip any time it comes on the field. Anytime the Steelers offense used to come on the field with Kenny Pickett and Mason Rudolph, like, I couldn't watch it. It was unwatchable because it was embarrassing. Like, Matt Canada was a trash offensive coordinator. We all know that. But let's not make it seem like Matt Canada was the dude who was overthrowing George Pickens when he was wide open on four-yard drag routes. Like, he wasn't a dude who was looking over a wide-open Allen Robinson on third and four against the New England Patriots on a hitch route. Like, Mitch Trubisky couldn't even hit guys when they were open. He couldn't make tight throws downfield. Like, it was abysmal. Same thing with Kenny Pickett. The only thing with Kenny Pickett is that when the game is on the line, you know, he somewhat is able to elevate his game and, and come through like he's a scrappy player. But being a scrappy player doesn't mean that you're a good quarterback. Mason Rudolph, obviously, is the clear-cut QB1 going into the Steelers' playoff game against the Buffalo Bills. And I'm really excited for that game because I really believe that the Steelers got a great chance of winning that game. Despite if TJ Watt plays or not. Like, Mike Tomlin now has a solid quarterback. And when you give Mike Tomlin solid quarterback play... That's really when he shows you how good of a coach he is. The reason why I've wanted Mike Tomlin gone the last couple of weeks isn't because I felt like he was a bad coach. It's just because, like, the dude just at one at one point just seemed like his uh, he was damn blind to the quarterback position. And it really irritated me. Like, he was destroying the team. 
He was. George Pickens getting upset. Deontay Johnson upset. That's what happens when you have bad quarterback play. The receivers get upset. They get pissed off because they want the ball. They want to make plays. And the quarterback doesn't allow them to do that. Mason Rudolph does. Which is why Mike Tomlin now is going to have the chance to show everybody why he's regarded as one of the best coaches in the NFL. Like when Mike Tomlin has solid quarterback play. He's a good head coach. He's a great motivator, great raw, raw guy. Like, he has a great chance to win the first playoff game that the Steelers have won in years, bro. Like, I can't remember the last time the Steelers won a playoff game. Like, last time Pittsburgh beat a team in a wild card round is when I think Antonio Brown got that hit by Vontez Burfick that potentially gave him CTE. That's it. Or when they beat Matt Moore and the Miami Dolphins a few years back. Like, the Pittsburgh Steelers in the playoffs have been really unimpressive. With Mason Rudolph, you got somebody who is taking shots downfield, throwing the ball with position and accuracy, making great decisions with taking care of the football, and he's making all the right reads, and he's the guy. Like, the people in the locker room like Mason Rudolph. These receivers love Mason Rudolph. You want to know why? Because they're giving him the damn, they're, like, he's getting the ball to the playmakers. Like, it, it's no surprise that, George Pickens and Deontay Johnson are laughing on the sideline. Like, they actually like playing football again. When Deontay Johnson and George Pickens had Kenny Pickett and Mr. Trubisky throwing them in the football, like, they look like they hate being on the field. And I wouldn't blame them because why the hell would I want to play with the trash quarterback? Like, Kenny Pickett is not good. Mason Rudolph is the clear-cut better quarterback right now, and it's not even close. Like, Mason Rudolph is right here, and Kenny Pickett... He, he he's all the way on the bottom. He's rock bottom. Started from the bottom. Now we here, baby. Like Mason Rudolph, this, this dude, the Steelers might have lucked up with him, and they definitely need to re-sign him in the off season if he leads the Steelers to a close playoff game against the Buffalo Bills. I'm not expecting Pittsburgh to beat Buffalo. All I'm saying is that don't sleep on Pittsburgh. Like Josh Allen's a turnover-prone quarterback, and if he gives the Steelers like three extra possessions. With Mason Rudolph at QB, like, he can turn those turnovers into 14 points. He's efficient. He's not overlooking wide open wide receivers. Like, he knows where to go with the football. He knows when to be aggressive. He knows when to take what the defense is giving him. Don't make this complicated, Mike Tomlin. Do the right thing. Start Mason Rudolph. This shouldn't really be that much of a conversation. And for all you people that are making an excuse for Kenny Pickett, like, are you delusional? Like, are you blind? Like, Kenny Pickett has not played better than Mason Rudolph. Like, why should Kenny Pickett get a chance to start over Mason Rudolph this season? He hasn't gotten a chance to play with the new offensive coordinator, JT. Like, who cares? Who cares? Like, the offensive coordinator wasn't the reason why he was overthrowing wide open wide receivers on drag routes, bruh. Like, it feels refreshing to see a quarterback that can actually hit a wide open wide receiver, bruh. Like, even when the receiver was wide open with Mr. Biscay and Kenny Pickett, you didn't know if it was going to get there. I closed my eyes every time I saw Kenny Pickett and Mr. Biscay throw a pass. Because, like, they're just not good. Like, Kenny Pickett is better than Mr. Biscay, but Trubisky shouldn't even be starting right now. He shouldn't even be a backup. He's a QB3 at best. Like, Kenny Pickett right now is where he deserves to be at, on the bench. He doesn't need to be starting for the Steelers in the postseason against the Buffalo Bills unless they want to lose. Like, Mason Rudolph obviously should be the guy moving forward. Not even a discussion, not even a debate. Before we move on to our last couple of segments, shout out to everybody that's in the chat, man. Like, subscribe if you're new. 
Courtney Miller says the Dolphins offense is better than the Chiefs, bro. What are you looking at? And you're saying the Dolphins haven't beat a good team. Well, if you think Kansas City is good, they're going to beat them. Like, bro, like Courtney Miller, bro, like the Dolphins aren't good, bro. Like the Dolphins only win against a good team. It's the Dallas Cowboys. That's it. Like you can't even beat the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen tried to hand you the win. Like, come on, bro. Like you, you may beat the Kansas City Chiefs. But it's like, you're not going to go anywhere after that. Like, it's embarrassing that you Dolphins fans continue to think that you have a chance to win a Super Bowl with the way that you played against the best teams on your schedule, bro. Like, of course you can beat Kansas City. But I'm not going to bet on you to do that. Going on the road to Arrowhead, beating Patrick Mahomes. Like, who you trust more? Two or Patrick Mahomes. Like, yeah, you got a more talented offense than the Chiefs. But you don't got the better quarterback than the Chiefs. And your head coach, like, his scheme just gets exposed anytime they go up against a good defense. Like, until Miami can actually do something against a good defense and the Cowboys don't count because their defense is just like your offense, doesn't show up against great teams. Like, I don't have any faith that you're going to be any more than an early playoff exit. Like, that's just my opinion, but you guys got the opportunity to prove me wrong. Now... Antonio Pierce has led the Las Vegas Raiders to an 8-9 season. He is 5-4 as the interim head coach of the Raiders. And yet, they are heavily pushing for Jim Harbaugh to be their next head coach. According to reports out there, the Raiders are heavily pursuing him to fill their head coaching vacancy. And many people are riled up about this. And I don't blame you. Like Antonio Pierce, he has the support of the players. The players want him. Devontae Adams has came out plenty of times and voiced his support of Antonio Pierce getting the full-time coaching job. And if you are the owner of the Raiders, are you really going to want to make the same mistake twice? Like, you ended up passing over Rich Bisakia, Rich Bisakia who led your team to the playoffs despite all of the off-the-field distractions you had with Henry Ruggs and John Gruden's emails, and you replace him with Josh McDaniels and of course he regressed that decision because it was idiotic like you should have just went with the guy who got you to the playoffs and now you're in a situation when a similar thing is occurring you're not in the playoffs but you are a way better team with Antonio Pierce being the head coach than what you were with Josh McDaniels and I do like Antonio Pierce and I do believe that he deserves the opportunity to get the full head coach the full-time head coaching job for this team but not if Jim Harbaugh wants to come coach this organization. Like, if you got a chance to get Jim Harbaugh, you do it. Like, I love Antonio Pierce and everything that he's done. And yeah, he has the player support, but Jim Harbaugh is a proven winner. Like, who cares if he has to support the players when you can get Jim Harbaugh? Like, Jim Harbaugh is somebody who players love too. This dude has won everywhere he's been. He took the 49ers when they were irrelevant at one point and led them to three straight NFC championships with Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick in the Super Bowl. He turned around Michigan football. He turned around Stanford. Jim Harbaugh is a rare coach. He's one of the best football coaches around, not just in the NFL, but in college. Oh, he hasn't coached in the NFL in a very long time, bro. Who cares? Who cares? He wins. There's not a single thing on Jim Harbaugh's resume that will show you otherwise that this dude is not a winner. And when you're playing in one of the toughest divisions in the NFL, like if the Chargers get their head coaching position right, and, you know, the Broncos finally find a quarterback, like Jim Harbaugh is the kind of coach that you're going to need in a division with this much talent. Like you got to go up against Sean Payton, Andy Reid, 
twice a season. You need a great head coach. You need a proven head coach, and that's what Jim Harbaugh is. Jim Harbaugh would be good enough to have you in the postseason next year. Like, are you really going to allow Jim Harbaugh, if he wants to coach your team, get passed over for Antonio Pierce just to have the Chargers go and scoop him up? Imagine that. Like, I love Antonio Pierce. But if you can get Jim Harbaugh, you get Jim Harbaugh. Like, he is the clear, more proven coach and a better coach than what Antonio Pierce has proven to be right now. Like, Antonio Pierce, what he did was remarkable. They got a big win against the Kansas City Chiefs. You got to give him a lot of props for that. You know, 5-4. and four. But Jim Harbaugh has been to three NFC championships and a Super Bowl. He's won everywhere that he's been. He has a way better resume than what Antonio Pierce has. Like, comparing Antonio Pierce's resume to Jim Harbaugh's resume is like comparing somebody who graduates from, you know, like, Harvard compared to somebody who graduates from, like, a NAIA school. Like a, like a Stan University or something like that. Like, not Stanford, a Stan University or, like, Concord University. Or like, comparing somebody who graduates from Everest to somebody who graduates from... You know, like Yale or something like that. Like, it's not close. Like, Jim Harbaugh would instantly turn your team around. Oh, you don't know that, JT? Look at the resume. This dude is a winner. There, there's more proof that he's going to be able to have you playing at a high level next season than what Antonio Pierce is. Like, Antonio Pierce is a good story. He's a good feel-good story. And if you can't, if you can't get Jim Harbaugh and he goes elsewhere, Antonio Pierce should definitely get this job. But there's an old saying that goes, when you got the chance to do better, guess what you do? You do better. And the Las Vegas Raiders have a prime opportunity to land a premier head coach. Like, they've whiffed on all of their last head coaches. And, like, they haven't had a good coach in, like, two decades, man. Like, you brought back John Gruden. He was he was terrible. Like, you hired, like, Jack Del Rio. He was good for one season. Like, you got a chance to have a head coach. That's going to make you a consistent championship team year after year after year. And this dude is hungry to get back into the NFL because if he wasn't, he'll, he'll be okay with coaching at Michigan. But Jim Harbaugh, I'm pretty sure he has a bitter taste in his mouth losing to his brother in that Super Bowl. You put him in the AFC with a chance to go up against his brother, knock his brother out the playoffs potentially, I'm pretty sure he would love that. And if you don't get Jim Harbaugh, you're really going to let the Chargers get him? Like, this dude is a better coach than Antonio Pierce. He's going to be a better coach than Antonio Pierce. Like, how do you know this, JT? Look at the resume. Any coach that wins, like how Jim Harbaugh is able to anywhere he goes, like, he's a great coach. He's not going to fail. Now, can you win the Super Bowl with Jim Harbaugh? All right, that's a different discussion. But can Antonio Pierce really be the coach who can get you to the playoffs? We don't know this because it hasn't been proven. We've seen Jim Harbaugh turn around organizations. Like, not only are you getting a coach who's going to be able to turn your team around, but you're going to have a coach that's going to be able to take you from the bottom to being damn near like a Super Bowl contender almost. And to spend a one-off season, that's how good of a coach Jim Harbaugh is. Now, I'm not saying that Jim Harbaugh year one is going to be able to do that, but year one, I do expect you to be a playoff team with him. And even if he does want to bring J.J. McCarthy along for the ride, like, J.J. McCarthy being united with Jim Harbaugh will give me way more confidence that he's going to succeed versus if he was to go elsewhere. It's like a package deal. You got a chance to get not only a great college coach, but pair him up with his college quarterback. Like, that's a good deal. 
Like, you kill two birds and one stone. You get a good head coach, and you get what could be an upgrade at quarterback. Like, you haven't had great quarterback play since Derek Carr's MVP caliber season when he got his back snapped in half. So, like, the people saying J.J. McCarthy is mid, like, you got to think about it. J.J. McCarthy would be reunited with Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh already understands his weaknesses and his strengths, so therefore, he's going to be able to assemble a staff that can put J.J. McCarthy in a situation to succeed, and it makes the transition from the college level to the NFL level a lot easier for J.J. McCarthy because he's already familiar with Jim Harbaugh and what he expects from him and what offense he's going to run. So I, I, like, I'm not a big believer in J.J. McCarthy neither, but my thing is that can you, can you, bro, cut that out? Jim Harbaugh is one of the best coaches ever. He has been to the Super Bowl. He has taken the team to Deion Sanders has never. But what are you talking about, bro? Like, Jim Harbaugh, yeah, like, that's my point. Like, Jim Harbaugh is a great coach. So the thing is, like, if the Raiders hire Jim Harbaugh, they're instantly going to be a team that is going to be a lock to make it to the playoffs. Like, this dude has a proven resume. You see, like, when the Panthers hired... Frank Wright, instead of making Steve Wilkes their interim head coach last season, their full-time head coach, like, a lot of people were against it. And that ultimately ended up being the wrong decision. But Jim Harbaugh isn't in that kind of realm that a Steve Wilkes was or that a Frank Wright was. Like, this dude has been to a Super Bowl. He's been to three NFC championships. I've never seen a coach that's been to numerous conference championship games in a Super Bowl just all of a sudden become a terrible head coach. Obviously, Jim Harbaugh has a recipe for being able to assemble and develop talent and being able to lead it to a championship. Now, can he win the big one? That's the main question for Jim Harbaugh. But the Raiders would be foolish to pass over Jim Harbaugh for Antonio Pierce, bro. Like, the dude is a winner. We haven't seen Antonio Pierce win shit, like, for a full season. You feel me? So if you can't get Jim Harbaugh, then you make Antonio Pierce you know, you're a full-time head coach. And, of course, he's going to feel a little bit slighted about that. Oh, well, you interviewed Jim Harbaugh. Like, it, it shouldn't be no hard feelings about it. You want to know why? Because it's a business. Okay? Like, you're, you're, you would be dumb if you're the owner of the Raiders to not look at all your options. You're just doing your due diligence. And if you can get Jim Harbaugh, you get Jim Harbaugh. Who cares if the players like Antonio Pierce? You, you got a chance to get Jim Harbaugh. These players... They change like the wind. They're going to like Antonio Pierce. They're also going to like Jim Harbaugh. This dude is a likable guy. There's not too many players that have ever had anything negative to say about this dude other than Richard Sherman. Like, he's a player's coach. The players rally behind him. He's a little bit weird. He has a quirky personality. But I like that about Jim Harbaugh. And Jim Harbaugh, he's not for everybody. You either love him or you hate him. If you're somebody who's not a player, but he knows how to relate to players really good. So, like... The Raiders heavily pursuing Jim Harbaugh for their head coaching opening. I know a lot of people are getting a little bit upset about it. But, like, if Jim Harbaugh wants to coach the Raiders, you make it happen if you're their owner. Like, yeah, people may be a little bit upset about it because everybody was attached to Antonio Pierce. But the way life works is that people change like the wind. One day, somebody will love you. The next day, somebody will be over you. And at the end of the day... It's still a business. These players are still professionals. Like, no player is going to protest the Raiders hiring Jim Harbaugh over Antonio Pierce. Like, these players know what Jim Harbaugh's resume is. They know that this dude is a winner. And players want to play for a guy that's a winner. 
just as much as they want to play for a guy that they like. And Jim Harbaugh's out there. If he wants to coach your franchise, you hire this dude over Antonio Pierce, bro. And if you feel otherwise, then please lay your argument down in the comment section down below. Oh, he's a cheater. Like, so is Pete Carroll. Like, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. That's what they say. Like, who cares if he got caught doing something he had no business doing at Michigan? And, then, you know, like, it's not really that big of a deal anyway. Like, all he was doing was, you know, like, recording signs, sending somebody on the staff to go do it. Like, okay, cool. You don't got to worry about that problem in the NFL. Like, Pete Carroll was cheating at USC. And where's he at now? You know, he, he's won a Super Bowl. So it doesn't really matter. Like, it's the college game. Like, everybody's trying to get an advantage. Like, Bill Belichick cheated. Sean Payton, like, did he cheated? Like, Every coach has tried to find a way to bend the rules. It just hasn't always been publicly. Like, everybody wants to try to find a way to get the advantage. It's a competitive sport. And if you can find just the smallest loophole and not get caught doing it, what are you going to do? Like, people people kill me with this whole integrity thing. Like, who cares, bro? It's, it's the NFL, not college football. Hire Jim Harbaugh if he wants to coach the Raiders, man. Like, And if he doesn't, then you hire Antonio Pierce. Simple as that. I'm going to say something that a lot of people probably want to say, but they don't have the balls to say it. But I'm going to say it for you. Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback in the NFL. Okay, like, he's better than Mahomes, better than Joe Burrow, and better than Josh Allen. How is he better than Patrick Mahomes? He hasn't won a Super Bowl. If we're going off pure talent, Lamar Jackson may be the most talented quarterback in NFL history. There's not a single quarterback that has the ability that Lamar has as a runner with his athleticism and how fast he is and how elusive he is in the open field and also has the position as a passer that Lamar Jackson has. This dude is really accurate. He's been one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the National Football League this year. And there's not a single throw that Patrick Mahomes can make that Lamar Jackson can't make himself. Like this whole argument that it's Patrick Mahomes and everybody else has always been bullshit to me. Like, y'all act like Patrick Mahomes hasn't lost in the playoffs before. Like, I saw Joe Burrow beat Patrick Mahomes in Arrowhead and go to a Super Bowl and nearly win that thing but got let down because he had a bad offensive line. If Lamar Jackson had, you know, the teams that Mahomes had in Kansas City, he would have won the Super Bowl also. Like, if you would have swapped Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, you put Patrick Mahomes on the Ravens, Lamar Jackson on the Chiefs with Andy Reid, Prime, Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill for great offensive line, they would have won those Super Bowls also. Like, this whole narrative that Mahomes is the best QB in the game and nobody's on this level, like, I've always felt has been false. Like, the talent at the quarterback position in today's NFL has never been better. All right, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson are all good as what Mahomes is. The only difference is that they're as good as what Mahomes is in their own different ways. And Lamar Jackson, if we are comparing him and Mahomes, he's just more talented based on the fact that he's just way more athletic. And he can do a lot more than what Mahomes can. Like, Mahomes is a great thrower of the football. He is. He's, like, one of the best throwers ever, bro. Like, he can do all kinds of crazy shit throwing the football. But so can Lamar. We saw plenty of games when Lamar Jackson has ran around and he's made throws from different arm angles, all platform throws. Like, the whole narrative that Lamar Jackson is not a good passer, he's a running back. Like, you got to get rid of that. You got to put that head rate down. And you need to get it out your system. Because it's blurring your vision. It's affecting how you view Lamar Jackson. 
Like, it, it was somebody who called him quarterback. I was like, bro, like, what the fuck are they talking about? Quarterback? What the hell does that even mean? Like, Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback in the NFL right now. You see, like, what Lamar Jackson had to go to or had to go through having to play with teams that had less talent in the playoffs is the same thing that Patrick Mahomes is about to experience this year in the playoffs and gets where he's going to be headed. Not to the Super Bowl. He's at best going to be going to the divisional round. If they make it to the conference championship game, cool, but they're not making it to the Super Bowl. They're not. You want to know why? Because he doesn't have a good offensive line, and he doesn't have a good group of wide receivers. Lamar Jackson, this is the best supporting cast that he's ever had. To go far in the playoffs, you need to have a good offensive line, and you need to have good receivers. He's never had that until this season. He's had good offensive lines, but he's never had the weapons. And plus, he has a great offensive coordinator now. You, you see, like, I get tired of everybody who just... Dick's right, Patrick Mahomes, bro. Like, Patrick Mahomes is a great quarterback. But the gap between him and everybody else is not that big, bro. Like, Lamar Jackson is a winner. Like, this is what people leave out about Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is the sole reason John Harbaugh is still the head coach in Baltimore. Y'all forget Lamar Jackson's rookie season, the Ravens season, was going in the wrong direction. Joe Flacco got hurt, and Lamar Jackson came in. And he went 6-1 as a starter, led them to the playoffs. And ever since then, what does he do year two? He wins NFL MVP. The Ravens have the one seed. Like, every single year Lamar Jackson is healthy, the Ravens are always in the conversation for the number one seed in the AFC. This dude is what? 20-1 against the NFC? Like, this dude is so dominant, and people just overlook it because... We say Mahomes is better because he has more championships. Like, championships don't define how good you are as a player when it comes to a skill set level. There's been plenty of quarterbacks who've won Super Bowls who haven't been that talented. Joe Flacco has a Super Bowl, but is prime Joe Flacco better than prime Lamar Jackson? No. Like, Super Bowls and championships are not individual accomplishments. They are team accomplishments. You need a good team to win the championship. Although having a great quarterback improves your chances of winning a Super Bowl, you still need to have the talent in place to do it. Like, Tom Brady wasn't winning Super Bowls with nobody. Like, he had Gronk, he had Bill Belichick, he had great defenses, he always had a great offensive line. Like, bro, like, Lamar Jackson is the best QB in the NFL right now, bro, and you can't tell me otherwise. Like, there's nothing that Patrick Mahomes can do that Lamar Jackson can't do, but there are things that Lamar Jackson can do that Patrick Mahomes can't. You think Lamar, bro, do you think that Patrick Mahomes can make the kind of crazy runs and plays that Lamar can? Absolutely not, because he doesn't possess Lamar Jackson's athleticism, bro. Like, people are so blinded about the whole... Postseason narrative about Lamar Jackson. Oh, Lamar Jackson always follows in the playoffs. Like, I've seen Patrick Mahomes lose playoffs games. Okay, like, I've seen Patrick Mahomes losing the Super Bowl, not having a good offensive line. Y'all seem to forget that Buccaneers versus Kansas City Super Bowl when the Buccaneers clobbered them. Like, everybody seems to forget about that. Like, eh. it's so annoying trying to tell people how Lamar Jackson. It's just as good as Mahomes, and all people want to say is, well, Mahomes has two Super Bowls. So what? He's been in a better position than what Lamar Jackson has been, bro. Like, Lamar Jackson is going to win it all this year. He is. And when he gets it done, everybody in the media, you know what they're going to do? Everybody all of a sudden is going to say, Lamar Jackson is just as good as Mahomes. You want to know why? Because people in the media 
craft their narratives about how good a player is based on if they have a Super Bowl or not. And having a Super Bowl doesn't equate to just pure raw skill. If we're going to go on pure raw, fuck the Super Bowls, bro. Like, if you're listening to this right now, I want you to just think about this whole Patrick Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson argument without bringing up rings. And you tell me who's better. Rings aside, like championships, postseason accolades aside, like you tell me who's the more talented player. Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson? It's pretty evident who is. It's Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson may be the greatest quarterback or the most talented quarterback in the history of this game. There's not a single quarterback that's ever played this game that's had the passing ability of Lamar mixed with the rushing ability. He already is the greatest dual threat quarterback in NFL history. Like, he's better than Michael Vick. He's better than Cam Newton. He's better than Steve McNair. He's better than Randall Cunningham. Like, Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback in the game right now. He is. And this is going to be a bold take. This is going to get a lot of controversy. But I felt this way about Lamar Jackson ever since 2020. You feel me? Like I know, like, he doesn't have a lot of postseason success. And a lot of the other things do kind of define you as a player. But based on, you know, just raw talent and skill, Mahomes is better than Mahomes. Mahomes is not better than Lamar. He's not. Like, Lamar Jackson, if he was to run a 40, he runs a 4-2-8. Like, you couple that with how well he throws the football, bro. Like, Mahomes can't hold a candlestick to Lamar Jackson, bro. Exactly. Like, somebody in the comment section just said, Eli Manning has two Super Bowls. Championships don't define how good you are from a talent standpoint as a player. Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback in the NFL. And I can't wait to upload this as a one-off segment. Like, I, I love Mahomes. He's good. But if I was starting a franchise right now, I'm going for Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is a winner. He saved John Harbaugh's job. He is 20-1 against the NFC. This dude is a winner too. Like, he, he when he's healthy... The Baltimore Ravens are always in the conversation for the one seed. Hell, they won the one seed this year. Why is that? If Mahomes is so great and Mahomes is so better than Lamar Jackson, why don't the Chiefs have the one seed? Oh, well, JT, he doesn't have a great offensive line. He doesn't have a great wide receiver group. Well, what about Lamar Jackson the last three years prior to this one? He never had great receivers. He didn't have a Tyreek Hill. He had Mark Andrews. That was it. Like, come on, bro. Like, Lamar Jackson went to the one seed with Marquise Brown being his best option at wide receiver. Like, the whole narrative that people are making about Mahomes and how he doesn't have this, he doesn't have that. You make that same argument for Lamar Jackson. You make that same argument for why Joe Burrow lost in the Super Bowl to the L.A. Rams. If Joe Burrow had a lead off his line that Super Bowl against the Rams, he'll be a Super Bowl champion right now. You see, like, I'm not about to wait. For Lamar Jackson win the Super Bowl to finally say he's better than Mahomes. I'm just going to say it right now. He's a more talented quarterback than what Patrick Mahomes is. There's not a single thing that Patrick Mahomes can do that Lamar Jackson can't do. But Patrick Mahomes can't do the shit that Lamar Jackson does, bruh. Like, with his athleticism, how he's a threat to take it to the house anytime he runs with the football. Like, when you have the game plan for Lamar Jackson... You damn near have to change your whole scheme around Lamar Jackson. Because that's just how dynamic he is as a quarterback. Like, this dude may go down as the most gifted, most talented quarterback in the history of the game. Like, I, I really can't wait for Lamar Jackson to win a Super Bowl, bruh. Like, Lamar Jackson 
is just as good as Patrick Mahomes. And there's somebody in the comment section saying Lamar Jackson is sweet, though, but his passing game is questionable. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean his passing game is questionable, bro? Like, he has one of the highest completion percentages in the NFL this year. He's making hella throws downfield. Like, the only reason Lamar Jackson's passing ability hasn't been on full display is because he's been with an offensive coordinator in the past that doesn't specialize in the passing aspect of the offense. Todd Munkin has elevated Lamar Jackson's game to a level that we've never seen before. Like, the Ravens never did half the shit they are doing this season throwing the football that they've done in the past with Greg Roman calling plays. Like, Lamar Jackson can make all the throws that Mahomes can make. And there are a lot of runs that Lamar Jackson can make that Patrick Mahomes can't. Like, Lamar Jackson, to me, is better than Patrick Mahomes. Or at least on the same level. But to me, if I was building a team right now, I would take Lamar Jackson over Patrick Mahomes. This is it for this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. I appreciate all you guys for tuning in. And I got to give you guys a quick update with the live stream. So for those of you guys who don't know, I'm going to say it one last time. This is my final semester in college. And I graduated in May. And the only reason the last couple of weeks or the last month or so I've been able to live stream at the rate that I've been able to is because I don't have to schedule my live streams around my classes. I can just go live every day damn near. So what I plan on doing is that not this week, but next week, I want to go live on Sundays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. I pretty much want to go live every other day. And I want to do it around 9.45 or 9.30 Eastern time in the afternoon. So that's going to be our new live stream schedule. But tomorrow, we're going to go live because we got to talk about, you know, all of the head coaches that are getting fired. And I'm also going to do like a maybe I do a live stream after the national championship. Not certain on that, but we got to go live a lot more often this week just because like it's so much stuff going on with the playoffs and whatnot. But after this week, next week, we're going to start going live Sunday nights. You know, after the playoffs, and we're going to go live Tuesdays and Thursdays, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So that's going to be our new live stream schedule, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then once the season ends, we'll be going live 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Sundays. So that's just a quick update with the channel. Um, we had the most viewers in this live stream than we've ever had. Appreciate everybody that's commented, everybody that's tuned in. Make sure that you guys leave a like, subscribe to the channel if you're new. Remember that every episode of the podcast that's available on the channel is available in audio format on all podcasting platforms. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts from, you can find the JT Sports Podcast. I appreciate y'all for supporting the channel, supporting the grind, and I will see you guys tomorrow with another episode.